Today's episode is brought to you by Best Fiends. You've earned your fun time. Go to the App Store or Google Play. Download Best Fiends for free. Plus, earn even more with $5 worth of in-game rewards when you reach level 5. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Today on a chilling episode of Real Ghost Stories Online that will make your parents think you worship the devil himself. And let's just admit it, you really are worshiping the devil. Trust me, I know everything, and I am going to tell on you. When a couple embarks on a weekend getaway filled with adventures, the last thing they expect is to have a paranormal encounter with the dead. How do the couple manage to stay grounded and make it through a terrifying ordeal? Deep in an abandoned coal mine. We'll find out today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. That indeed it is. Welcome to the program. Be sure to press subscribe. Wherever you download podcasts, you don't miss any episodes of the show, uh, as well as uh, our advanced episodes, if you want that. If you want access to the archive, the world's largest audio archive of ghost stories, and exclusive EPP bonus episodes that come out once a week exclusively for our supporters. Pack for some of our creepiest stories that we, we get, and they're only for EPP members. Get all that at ghostpodcast.com. Or on the uh, Patreon website, the link to our Patreon page also at ghostpodcast.com. It's uh, Tony and Carol Hughes with you on today's episode of the show. What's going on? Well, Tony, yeah. <laughs> sorry. Just as I went to answer you, my cat jumped up and she had her butt between me and the microphone. <laughs> they, they always have a real strategic place of showing their asses to you. <laughs> Like at specific trying to times. get to the microphone, but her butt's just right there, and it yeah. made me laugh. I think it's like comedic. Adorable. It's comedic timing. They're like, <laughs> I go right here now and pounce up, lift the ass. Perfect timing. Put it in her face. Yep. Right next to the microphone. Boom. So, you know, and I'm like, and I'm on. You know, it's not like I have a ton of extra space right here. Mm-hmm. Like I can't just push her so off. They're talking to a cat. Thing. A cat's ass. She's very adorable. <laughs> It's funny because both like my cats, because my house got pretty, you know, pretty sad, obviously. Mm-hmm. But my between the two of them, I I have like the two coolest cats. So I really do. You have a good cat. I do. Bubbles, yes. He, he, bubbles. <laughs> that makes That's fun. Bubbles. Bubbles the cat. It's a really good name for a cat. It is. Yeah, I remember when Harper was a little come here, bubbles. Bubbles, come here. Come here. Come here, come here bubbles. Bubbles, Bubbles, you like flying? <laughs> well, then my cat, I named my cat Rizzo after Anthony Rizzo, my favorite baseball player, because I'm a big Chicago Cubs fan. Then they go and trade him. So my favorite baseball player now plays for the Yankees. Yeah. So my cat is named after a Yankees player, which, like, Let's be real. Unless you you are a Yankees fan, nobody likes the Yankees unless you're an actual Yankees fan. Mm-hmm. So that's a little disturbing to me. But no. I still like Anthony Rizzo. I just don't like that he plays for the Yankees. But my cat's named after him anyway. 
Uh, well, it, it's funny because uh, I I have uh, some family members who always name their cats after the wrong people. Now it starts out uh, very innocent, uh, and then it really goes to shit uh, uh, because it turns out the people that they name the cats after uh, end up not having uh, such a, a great thing. I mean, take for example uh, my uh, aunt uh, who had a tabby in the eighties named OJ. Uh, they used to love, they used to love uh, watching the juice on television, and and then it just all kind of went uh, went to shit after that. Um, you know, a couple years later, um, this was this is more towards the nineties, uh, and and they like giving the cat two names, uh, you know, like a first and a last name because it's a it's a cat, and uh, they named one that that uh, after someone that they really admired. And thought really gave them uh, some some hope and and some some health. Jared Fogel. They named the cat Jared Fogel because <laughs> we love and then, and then the cat, you know, lived out the rest of its life. Um, this one I didn't quite get. They were kind of religiously, but they did name uh, a, a a Siamese Jim Baker. Um, so that one also was a little bit off, but. Uh, you know, and then more recently, they have the cat named Duggar. Yes, well, that's that's a new one. Um, <laughs> you know, so we don't talk about that. But there was there was this really great one. <laughs> there was there was this great one, and it was a really uh, it was kind of a crazy cat that a lot of stuff. They named it the Cause, and uh, <laughs> that one also didn't age well. But um, you know, they had a lot of cats. They were. The cats had nothing to do with the uh, the the celebrities, uh, which were they named after, and the crimes in which they committed. Although I do believe some of them did feel guilty about it uh, later in life, uh, just having the name association. And I can only imagine the shame that those cats would get from the other cats when the, all those things came out. You put like a weird thought in my head because, like, <laughs> there are probably people who have named their pets like after. Mass murders or something like, yeah. like somebody's got a cat named Charlie Manson. <laughs> yeah, well, and then there's, then there's, <laughs> no, there was this, there was a stray down the road named David Duke, which was also <laughs> a very bizarre cat. Uh, really seemed to have problems with the other cats of color. Um, and sometimes <laughs> you would see the cats wearing hoods that were hanging out by him. Uh, it was uh, it was just kind of it was weird. effed up. It was it was totally effed up. You crack me up because you'll start telling a story and I think that you're telling me a true story. And then I'm like, oh, this is not a true story. But it could <laughs> be. It could I be. I know, it could be. My my mom had her cat um, and she just recently changed its name. Uh, she had one named R. Kelly um, that, uh, that she really, because she really liked I Believe I Can Fly, the song. <laughs> and, and that one that he did with Celine Dion. <laughs> Uh, she Until also, she's yelling, "Here, kitty, kitty, R. Kelly, R. Kelly!" She's, and she, she, you know, be on the porch and like, "R. Kelly, R." And and the neighbors were kind of getting concerned, and then everything, you know, came out, and everybody pretty much accepted that it was, um, uh, you know, R. Kelly. But the the weird thing is, she she's not up on the news all the time, um, uh, and she ended up she tried to name it after uh, one of her uh, uh, her friends. Um, and it it actually uh, it it didn't turn out well. Um, her last friend's name was uh, e Epstein. Uh, so she she's out <laughs> on the porch, like Epstein, come here, Epstein. 
Yeah. Jeffrey. Bring it to me, Epstein. You know, and it was really, it was weird. It was weird. So, uh, Kat got named again. Kat got named one more time. And uh, now its name is just Mo. So, that's all it goes by. Just Mo. <laughs> I feel better about my cat named Rizzo after Yankees player. <laughs> just Mo. R. Kelly to Epstein, and now Mo. Um, so, yeah, that's the story of cats. And mom's going, yeah, I do not have a cat named that. I don't have a cat named Mo. Like, no, I, I understand, Mom. It's, uh, it's a satire. Back to our conversation in just a second. First, I want to thank our supporter today, Best Fiends. You deserve a little you time. I can't tell you how many times I, I say this to myself. I say this to my girlfriend. I say this to friends who are very dedicated to what they do. But sometimes you just need a little mental palate cleanse. And for me, I like best fiends. You've earned some fun. It's like kind of giving yourself permission to eat dessert first, if you will. You're a grown up. You've been doing stuff all day. It's time. I I love to pull this game out. I, I just sometimes I'll just be sitting on the couch. I'll be sitting on the porch, taking a little break. Uh, or I'll just be sitting in the office sometimes after I've done a bunch of shows and I'm like, <gasps> deep breath, you know, kind of let it go. I'll pull my phone and play this. It's like, uh, it's a mental palate cleanse, if you will. But at the same time, it kind of exercises your brain. That That's what I love about this thing. I'm uh, up to uh, the upper 400s in levels now, which I'm really excited about. Best Fiends is a free-to-download mobile puzzle game with thousands of exciting levels and new adventures and challenges every single time you play. Yeah, so you're never going to get bored with this thing. Dozens of unique fiends to collect so you can customize your team of fiends to defeat the menacing slugs. Power up your favorite fiends to new levels uh, for even more powerful skills and watch them transform as they get stronger. Plus, there's offline play, so if you're on an airplane uh, which doesn't have Wi-Fi, even though it says it has Wi-Fi, and you're trying to log into the Wi-Fi and the Wi-Fi doesn't work, just saying, had that experience earlier in the year. If you're offline, game still plays, which is nice because so many games don't do that anymore. Um, brand new characters, challenges, events all year round. It gets updated all the time. You're never going to get sick of this thing. You've earned your fun time. Go to the App Store or Google Play. Download Best Fiends for free. Plus, earn even more with $5 worth of in-game rewards when you reach level five, that's French without the R. Best fiends. Uh, let's go to our first uh, story of the day. It uh, starts out several months ago. My fiance and I went on a tour of Lackawanna coal mine in Scranton, Pennsylvania. I think the only reason I know how to say Lackawanna coal mine is because I think I heard it in the office. Oh, because I was impressed the way you just said that. I think I, it's been mentioned or something. Uh, this is a really cool experience and very inexpensive, too. $10 a person, I think. I have pictures I could send. Uh, anyway, they seat you in a steel open-air trolley-type car that runs on a train track and is pulled by cables. Never seen such a contraption. Seats maybe 20-some people, I'm estimating. This thing takes you into a tunnel in the hillside and gradually goes down into the earth. As the car descends, the outside light at the end of the tunnel gets smaller and further away until it disappears completely. The passage is very narrow. It gives the impression you're being swallowed by some great long-necked beast and is a bit unnerving all on its own. I'd strongly suggest this claustrophobic avoid this trip. Once down in the mine, the car drops you off and leaves. Also unnerving. We all wear hard hats, which seems like 
wearing a seatbelt in an airplane. How much is that really going to help if a mile or so of Earth lands on you? There's an older 60-ish-year-old gentleman that's our guide and ex-miner. He walks us through a fascinating tour explaining the ventilation system, the support structures, basic mine procedures, etc. He goes over safety issues, how and why the uh, canaries were used, which was not what I thought, by the way, where the miners took breaks and other aspects of life in the mine. While I was mildly anxious while descending into the mine, a few minutes of being down there and I was fine. It was way too cool and interesting to be anything but excited. Plus, my fiance kind of inspires a feeling of safety in general, being a muscular 250 pounds and a doctor. So I was good. And the only misgivings I had were about very practical safety issues, not ghosts. I swear nothing of that nature had remotely crossed my mind. So here we are, having been walking through the mine a good 20 minutes or more, and we come to this area that the guide explains is used as an airlock. Bear with me, I'm not sure how to shorten this part. Basically, in the tunnel in front of us is a set of double doors. We go through those doors, and once inside, it looks like about 30 feet. I had another set of double doors. So basically, as part of the very vital ventilation system, this area was needed to keep the air flowing the right way. Inside the first set of double doors was a stool where a young 11 to 14-year-old boy would sit. His only job was when a coal cart needed to come through, he'd open the first set of doors, let the cart into the tunnel segment, then close the doors behind it before opening the second set and letting them out of the airlock. The important thing was to never let both sets of doors be opened simultaneously. While no immediate disaster would occur, it would disrupt the ventilation flow and worsen the air quality in the mine. So it was that we were coming up to this section when all of a sudden it started to feel bad. Now, here I'll mention that I seem to be a bit sensitive to things. Basically, feelings that are strong tend to be correct. I most certainly am no psychic or any such thing. Anyway, at first, I did not recognize this as me sensing anything. I thought, oh, God, we're suffocating. Something is wrong. The fans have stopped or something. But then I looked around my fiance and the rest of the group were fine, laughing, whispering and shuffling along. All I can say is it felt like a feeling of profound heaviness or pressure had descended on me. It would have been easy to panic. And I think I couldn't breathe, but I detached and was objective and realized I could, in fact, breathe just fine. Finally, after this continuing for about five minutes of our walk, part of which was during the tour, an explanation of the airlock area, I mentioned it to my fiance. Everyone, including him, seemed fine. I didn't want to sound crazy, so I said, do you feel okay? He said, yeah, why? And then only because of the intensity of it, I went out on the limb and said, I don't know how to explain it. It just feels really heavy here, like the pressure changed or something. Ironically, he said, maybe it's haunted. Now, I had neither said nor considered that until that moment. And I know he was mostly, if not completely, joking. Please remember this area was no way airtight, despite the name, and does not explain my feeling. In addition, the feeling started before and lifted well after this area. Anyway, we continued about 40 to 50 feet down the tunnel after the airlock area and the oppressive heaviness began to lift. I was very relieved, but wondering what was that? But none of that is the reason for the story. The guy brought our group to another stop where he was going to talk a bit. In this case, 
It was to point out how completely dark it was down there. Now, when he brought us to his stop, it was right about the time I was starting to feel better and less heaviness, for lack of a better term. So I'd have preferred to move on a bit. As it was, when he brought us to his stop, I was listening to him, but watching the tunnel we had just come through. It just stretched out straight behind us, and he kind of absently kept staring that way. I guess wondering why it felt so different back there. Meanwhile, our guide goes on to explain that the miners were taught that if the lights went out, there was a protocol to follow. You see, there are low-hanging support beams overhead and potentially dangerous tools to the side. In the event of no lighting, it's utterly and completely dark down there. It'd be easy for a miner to become disoriented, lost or injured, so the protocol was for the miners to get down on their hands and knees and feel the railway tracks and crawl out, making their way along the tracks. Can you imagine? That alone would make me find alternate employment. To demonstrate the point that it is darker than anything in our normal experience down there, our guide shut down the lights completely. Now, during all this, I continued to face backwards and was the very last person in the back of the group, so I had a clear view of the tunnel behind us. I was not creeped out or thinking of anything at this point. I had leaned over to my fiance when I realized what the guide was about to do and said, just listen, I bet everyone gets really uncomfortable really fast. Sure enough, the lights were out for all of two seconds when a murmur started in the group, previously nervously laughing and talking very uncomfortable with the total darkness. So I'm pretty sure I was actually smiling at this exhibit of human nature when the lights came up, but I was still facing the tunnel behind us. When the lights came up, I saw something just for a few seconds, but I saw it. It was a form, a size in shape of a preteen child, which seemed to duck and nearly simultaneously scoot behind one of the support beams that ran along the ceiling and down the wall like it was hiding. Thing is, it was black. There were many shadows in the tunnel, but it was much more blacker than any of the surrounding shadows. Blacker than black. And I just darted behind that beam and stayed there. I said nothing. I did not feel alarmed or scared. I was kind of in a state of wonder, kept looking like the group began to move forward. I kept looking back to see if it would reappear, but apparently it was a one-time show. Now, to be honest, I have not yet told my fiancé about this because I wasn't sure what he would think. However, I could hardly wait to get home and talk to my 17-year-old daughter about it. But as I thought about it and tried to figure out how to describe it, I realized something I maybe should not even mention this part because I know it doesn't make sense. But when I considered my description a solid shadow, something shaped like a person but blacker than black, I realized I had seen this or something like it before. This was a childhood memory, something I remember trying to figure out of how to explain it to an adult. Of this, I'm absolutely sure. I remember trying to figure out how to explain this thing before, yet that is all I remember. This all happened before I found your show. Needless to say, when you guys started discussing shadow people, I was floored. No shit. This is an actual thing, huh? Of many questions that come to mind, I'll pose this one. If shadow people were never human, why did the one in mind seem to be the size and shape of a child? Was it just appearing that way because it heard the story of the boys that tended to the airlock and was just trying to look human? Did a little research. Boys have died in mines in that area. 
Whether or not in that mind was unclear. I've heard since looking into it that some people think all shadow people are evil and non-human entities. Yes, that area felt oppressive and bad. However, when I saw this shadow boy, there was no feeling attached to it, and his movements were exactly like that of a child trying to hide before being spotted. Thoughts? I have no idea what to make of this, and why do I remember seeing one before? My daughter was visited by a man as an infant, which is another story. I wonder if that was a shadow person. So many questions. Thank you for a truly great show. I know that was very long. If it's too long to use, I totally understand. I'd still love to know what you think. Well, I, I, I've never been under the assumption that all shadow people are evil or bad. I, I would honestly say that I, I my guess would be a much higher percentage were people. Well, I do know that if I was to see one, I would find it scary. Oh, without a doubt. You know? Yeah. But yeah, but the whole, like the whole story, like I don't even think I could do a excursion, whatever. Like what do you call it? like a little trip into a mine? I don't think I could do it. Did you ever do the one in uh, what is it, uh, Hutchinson? No. Oh, I, I did go through Dover, the White Cliffs of Dover, and there was um, uh. Like they built a World War II bunker basically into those cliffs. Mm -hmm. And man, that shit, it was dark in there. Yeah. Like the same thing, like when they shut out the lights, or I've been in a cave before and they shut out the lights, but I don't like caves. I don't like any of that stuff. Yeah. At least the one in England was um, historical, mm -hmm. but it was still creepy. It was really creepy. Yeah. But that whole thing was just creepy to me. Like, just going into the mine and, you know, and like, what a, I can't even imagine doing that kind of work. It would just be so difficult. Yeah. Physical. I, I mean, yeah. Just, with, and a lot of people have died in mines. Well, yeah. And if you don't die in the mine, you get black lung and cough it out for the next 10 years and you have a nice lifespan to 40. Yeah. Um, so. But they pay you well. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I mean, it, it's one of those. I mean, today I'm sure practices are a little different. I hope, uh, but you know, that's that's what life was. You know, in many areas, that's how you made a living. You did that, or you died. Exactly. And it was, you know, it's yeah, it's just. A, and then what, the whole I, idea of a young boy would have to just sit there all day. Yeah. And be responsible for opening one door, making sure the other one was shut. And, and he like, made it to, can you imagine like your kid having to do that all day? And he made it to 25 before the black lung took over. Yeah. You know, I mean, just those horrific conditions. Uh, so I could absolutely see the whole mind being haunted. Very much so. Like creepy. So, you know, to me, as the story's going on and she sees, you know, something super creepy like that. I thought of it, it was not a good thing. I think like, it was a little boy that she saw that, you know, is probably still running around down there. Which makes me sad. Sure. Like, what would you rather have? Ghost of little boy or demon in the mind? I think I'd rather have, I guess, the little boy if I had to pick. Yeah. Harmless ghost boy or demon. Yeah, I mean, you got to consider the tourism side of this here. Harmless ghost boy, demon, 
that could that could work out not very well eventually that could end up cutting back on your attendance and you don't want that or it might get you more just depends depends what everyone's looking for if you can like open up maybe the the mind to maybe like satanic parties or conferences uh you know things like that satanic story hour for the kids uh every wednesday <laughs> at three forty, free goldfish uh you know something like something like that then you could probably you know really make a thing of it well there's a certain group of people who'd rather have demon story hour than drag queen story hours <laughs> <That's> <laughs> there's true. that that is true yeah but uh, satanic sushi hour that where you know they they have a sushi bar that's set up down there by satanists and but they do but they do welcome the general public (laughs) that was funny yeah it's like anyone is welcome you're welcome to come in they're not gonna they're not gonna force satan on you or anything they just want to make sushi and and make you and and it's kind of like scientology we're not forcing this on you but let's have a conversation like let's do your personality test do some e-meters with you and have some satanic sushi that's in the shape of pentagrams you're like how the fuck did you make that sushi like a pentagram uh and they don't tell you they just look at you with lizard eyes uh and it's like we would tell you if you're a part of our club exactly that's all you got to do so you gotta do this. Uh, these are the ways to make a underground coal mine work as a uh, <laughs> as a business. <laughs> I went to and charge more than ten bucks to do it. I did the uh, the tour of the the salt mine in Hutchinson, Kansas. The day I hear it's cool. The day it opened, I did. A, I was one of the first people there as a uh, like a public person. Um, it was, it was pretty neat. The, I remember they were, they were getting out some of the, uh, movie props that they store down there because like think Warner brothers or somebody has a giant vault down there Mm -hmm. that all the master, I think the master reels of like friends were down there and some of the Oz is down there. Yeah. It's crazy. And it's super, super guarded, uh, as well. But they had the, uh, one of the things from the movie, um, twister out and it wasn't like in a cage or anything. It was like literally just sitting there. And so of course we took a bunch of photos where I was like holding onto it and looking like I was flying through the, uh, you know, the museum holding onto the thing from twister. Um, uh, and what else? They had like some other, I don't remember. There was like some outfits and stuff like that, but, uh, it was interesting and very fucking dark. Uh, very dark. I was amazed how, Bar those things go out in like square footage they can be like under a whole fucking city oh yeah because it's it, it, a lot of people just like picture tunnels no no these things like they go out and they span and they're bigger than walmart uh and that's pretty fucking big and it's underground and it's about like eight feet high uh or so and it's just and there's it's like squares almost where there's pillars, uh, you know, of rock uh, that kind of hold it up and they just kind of span themselves out for many, 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 many miles. I forgot how many miles they said that thing went, but it was like, holy shit and creepy and just, yeah, it's a lot. I don't know that I'd want to visit it again. I think Dude, I just can't like that underground stuff yeah. and like uh, that visit from uh, 15 years ago, I think was uh, sufficient enough for me. Uh, let's go to our uh, 
uh, caller here. Hi, let's hear your ghost story. Hey, Tony. Um, my name is Jordan. I'm calling from Santa Fe, New Mexico. Uh, I've been listening to the show for probably about five years now, and I'm a big fan. Um, and I just heard an episode about a guy who watched The Grudge and then started experiencing some um, paranormal stuff. And I just wanted to share my story because it actually is kind of similar um, so my story began, I was about, I think, 13 years old, and I have always been kind of, like, dark and actually very spiritual, but I've always liked horror movies and creepy stuff, and, um, I was at my grandmother's house, and she was like, hey, do you want to watch The Exorcist? Have you ever seen The Exorcist? And... I was like, okay, yeah, I like horror movies, so sure, let's go for it. So she put it on, and we were watching it, and um, I was doing okay for, like, the first half. I was like, I don't know. Actually, I have never finished it. <laughs> but uh, I got to the part where she walks down the stairs backwards, and I was like, nope, I'm done. So, and which is unusual for me because I would normally watch the whole movie through but at that point I was just like nope something about this is just not okay with me so um that happened and sometime after that I started experiencing like really really acute anxiety and it was mostly just at night and um what would happen is that I would try to go to bed and I would just not be able to sleep for most of the night. I was falling asleep at like three or four in the morning every night. And um, I started having really bad nightmares and really gory nightmares. And like in them, um, sometimes my family would be possessed and like trying to come after me and different things like that. Um, but during the times when I was laying awake in bed at night, I would have this really overwhelming sense of like being watched and that I could definitely sense like there was some kind of presence up in the top corner of my bedroom and it felt like it was just really oppressive and it felt like it was just waiting for me to fall asleep. So I had a really hard time um, for I think it was a few months at least that that was going on and there was even times when like I went to my parents bedroom too and I was like should I knock on the door and wake them up and piss them off but uh, I think I only did that once <laughs> but um so yeah I was having this really difficult time and you know being the dark kind of kid that I was I kind of enjoyed the nightmares <laughs> I know that sounds weird to say, but some of them were very like surreal and almost Alice in Wonderland like, and they were kind of cool. <laughs> and I used to draw pictures of the stuff that I saw and they were kind of interesting, but um, the no sleep kind of thing was becoming a problem. And my mom was very aware. I was telling her about my anxieties and stuff. And um, there was one night where I had like a, I guess it would be a panic attack. 
and um, I was hanging around in her bedroom and I just had this crazy panic attack and I was crying and I had that overwhelming sense that there was something in the doorway um, and I was just like kind of crying and pointing to the doorway and she was like freaking out because she didn't know what to do and um, I don't even remember how that episode ended uh, but she she got freaked out enough at that point to like say that we needed to do something about it and what she decided was um oh i forgot to mention there was a time too that i walked into the garage door when i came home after school and i saw just a flicker Being with of Michael. somebody sitting in the little my parents had chairs in the garage at the time um, and I just caught a glimpse of someone sitting in it and that glimpse, it looked like they were wearing a like top hat almost, um, which I thought was weird and I just kind of blew it off at the time. But yeah, so after that one really bad panic attack, my mom decided that we were going to pray a novena, which is a, like a Catholic prayer that, um is kind of specifically for a purpose and there's different types of them um and so she had me and my brother come and pray with her and we had to pray several times for i think it was like 24 hours and we had to pray at certain intervals and we did the novena and after that i completely stopped having that anxiety at night I didn't have any more like panic attacks like that. Um, I don't recall seeing any more flickers of shadows or anything. Um, but I have like continued to have experiences throughout my life. It's not like that completely ended everything. It just ended the oppressive darkness at that time. So I have lots of other stories, but I just wanted to share that because it was similar to the one I just heard. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. I really enjoy the podcast and everyone that's involved. And um, yeah, I'm so excited that I finally got to call and share a story with you guys. Um, good luck to everyone and have a good evening. Bye. Thanks for sharing that story with us. And no, that was not an EVP in the middle of it. It was <laughs> It was just at the moment that was going to scare the crap out of everybody. Like, Because <laughs> I'm just like, because she goes, then I walked into the garage and then there's that. I, never did. <laughs> I was like, what the hell was it? Just clicking on a link that uh, my girlfriend sent me to, I don't know what it was. Uh, there's probably some cooking video. Uh, but I uh, didn't realize that the sound was going to go blasting. So. <laughs> That's what you yeah, think. so it couldn't have happened at a worse time. Yeah, sorry. So, like, it's interesting to me because, um, like, watching The Exorcist, like, you know, depending on your age, if you watch something like that at a certain age, like, that, can, that shit can really stick with you. Yeah. And be very impactful and very powerful and could do all the things, you know, 
that lack of sleep. Because then once you get something in your head that's really scary like that, like it's not a night or two. You can get into a cycle. Yeah. And you want more. You want more darkness. And you want it to go away so bad that you're not letting it go away because you're constantly worried about it. Yeah. It's worrying about worrying, essentially. Yeah. So, you know, so I, I don't know, like, how, like, could that have just triggered the whole thing then by um, doing what they did at the end could have given her more comfort and kind of, okay, we did something about it and was able to let some of that go. Or is it all paranormal? You know? could be a mix, I think, of, of various things all in once in that. And, and she's drawn to that stuff anyway. Mm-hmm. So my guess is, you know, she's got some abilities, yeah. I would guess, you know, where she's rather sensitive, mm-hmm. obviously, in that part where in the Exorcist, she was watching the 25th anniversary one, because in the original, they didn't have her walking down the stairs like that. They did it. No. And... um they put it back in because it was too much. And it was like in the 70s or whatever. Yeah. They hired a... That's actually somebody doing it. I think they might have sped it up a little bit. But they hired like, you know, some uh, contortionist type of person mm-hmm. to do that scene in the movie because it is effective and creepy. I'm uh, I'm looking it up. I want to see it. The Exorcist original spider walk scene. Okay. What does Burke got to do? Priest comes. Oh, this is just a trigger for everybody right now. <laughs> like, I oh can't even God. hear Megan's little voice. When I touch your forehead, open your. Did she go down the stairs yet? Oh, they. Oh, this is one where they cut it. Or do we hear the stairs coming up? I just want to see her walk down the stairs. Uh, this one, spider walk. Whoa. The shot of the girl walking Behind the backwards scenes. down the stairs, which we couldn't use at the time. They did hire because somebody. Because the cable showed. He didn't believe it was did so bright. When we did that. Oh my goodness, that's they used a cable though. Because I think because the way she's going down the stairs like that would have been really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Wow. It's yeah, creepy. It is. It is. Very... And I can totally see how you could watch that when you're young mm-hmm. and be really affected by it. Harper watches it every other night. She gets out the popcorn and then she criticizes the movie. <laughs> she makes fun of it. All of its flaws. And then uh, she takes notes and then posts angrily on message boards. No. <laughs> if I was to do it. Here's what you did wrong. Uh, yeah, no, that's uh, that is that one that did stand up. I don't even know that we finished that one. She wanted to see it, and then I think we got like halfway through, and she's like, "I know, I'm good, I'm good. Thank you, Dad. This is it's creepy. It it's, is. It's very creepy. It's still, 
it still stands up today. All right, that's going to wrap up today's episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. If you like the show, keep us on the air, become an extra podcast person, access to all the bonus episodes, advanced episodes, and so much more. All you got to do is go to ghostpodcast.com and uh, click become an EPP. You can sign up through Patreon or on the website, ghostpodcast.com. Until next time, for all of us at Real Ghost Stories Online, Tony Bruski, thanks for listening. Hey, got a crazy family? Love hearing stories about crazy families? Then you need to check out our brand new podcast called My Crazy Family. Available wherever you get podcasts. Just search My Crazy Family right now. Press subscribe and don't miss any brand new episodes of My Crazy Family. You can even share your stories if you so please. We'd love to hear them. My Crazy Family. Search and subscribe wherever you download podcasts.